30, and the nearby regions of Scotland, where the county of Sutherland can boast only 14 to the square mile, and Invernessshire 20. Here again insularity and contracted area do their work of compressing population. The causes of this insular density of population are not far to seek. Islands can always rely on the double larder of land and sea. They are moreover prone to focus in themselves the fishing industry of a large continental area, owing to their ample contact with the sea. Shetland is now the chief seat of the Scotch herring fishery, a fact which contributes to its comparatively dense population. The concentration of the French export trade of Newfoundland fish in Little St. Pierre and Miquelon accounts for the relatively teeming population 70 to the square mile and the wealth of those scraps of islands. So the Lofoten Islands of Norway, like Iceland, Newfoundland and Sakhalin, balance a generous sea against an ingenerous soil, and thus support a population otherwise impossible. For these far northern islands, the moderating effect of an oceanic climate has been a factor in making them relatively populous, just as it is on tropical isles by mitigating heat and drought. The prosperity and populousness of the Bermuda Islands are to be explained largely by the mild, equable climate which permits the raising of early vegetables and flowers for English and American markets. Like climatic conditions and alike industry account for the 2.000 souls living on the inhabited islands of the Scilly group. Here intensive horticulture supports a large force of workmen and yields a profit to the Lord Proprietor. Syros in the Cyclops fattens on its early spring vegetable trade with Athens and Constantinople. In the Mediterranean lands, where drought and excessive heat during the growing season offer adverse conditions for agriculture. The small islands, especially those of fertile volcanic soil, show the greatest productivity and hence marked density of population, though the rainfall may be slight, except where a volcanic peak rises to condense moisture, heavy dews and the thick mists of spring quicken vegetation. This is the case in Malta, which boasts a population of 2.000 to the square mile, exclusive of the English garrison. Little Limosa and Pantelleria, the merest fragments of land out in the mid-channel of the Mediterranean, had a population of 200 to the square mile. The Lipari group north of Sicily averaged nearly 400 on every square mile of their fertile soil, but this average rises in Salina to 500, and in Lipari itself, as also in Ponza of the Pontine group, to nearly 1400. Here fertile volcanic slopes of highly cultivated land lift vineyards. Orchards of figures and plantations of currants to the sunny air, but nearby Halicuri, almost uncultivated, has a sparse population of some 500 shepherds and fishermen. Panaria and Filicuri are in about the same plight. Here again we find those sharp island contrasts. The insular region of the Indian Ocean, which is inhabited by peoples quite different in race and cultural status from those of the Mediterranean, yet again demonstrates the power of islands to attract, preserve, multiply and concentrate population. This is especially true of the smaller islands, which in every case show a density of population many times that of the neighboring mainland of Africa. Only vast Madagascar, continental in size, repeats the sparsity of the continent, and oceanic climate increases the humidity of the islands as compared with the mainland lying in the same desiccating trade wine belt. Moreover their small area has enabled them to be permeated by incoming Arab, English, and French influences, which have raised their status of civilization and there with the average density of population. This culminates in English Mauritius, which shows 540 inhabitants to the square mile, occupied in the production of sugar, molasses, rum, vanilla, aloes, and copra. In Zanzibar this density is 220 to the square mile, 
in Reunion 230, in Mayotte, the Comores and Seychelles, the average varies from 100 to 145 to the square mile. Bomahe in the Seychelles group has one town of 20.000 inhabitants, in the Malay archipelago, and oceanic climate and tropical location have combined to stimulate fertility to the greatest extent, but this local wealth has been exploited in the highest degree in the smaller islands having relatively the longest coastline and amplest contact with the sea. The great continent-like areas of Borneo, New Guinea and Sumatra show a correspondingly sparse population, Java, smaller than the smallest of these and coated with mud from its fertilizing volcanoes, supports 587 inhabitants to the square mile, but this exceptional average is due to a rare local productivity. Java's little neighbors to the east, Bali and Lombok, each with an area of only about 2100 square miles, have a density respectively of 338 and 195 to the square mile. This density rises suddenly in small Amboina area 264 square miles. The Isle of the famous Clove Monopoly, to a 1000, drops in the other Malukas, where Papuan influences are strong, even to 20, but rises again in the pure Malayan Philippines to 69. In the Philippines a distinct connection is to be traced between the density of population and smallness of area. The explanation lies in the attraction of the coast for the seafaring Malay race and the mathematical law of increase of shoreline with decrease of insular area, since 65% of the whole Philippine population inhabits coastal municipalities. It is not surprising that the 73 islands from 10 to 100 square miles in area count 127 inhabitants to the square mile, and those of less than 10 square miles, of which there are nearly a thousand, have a density of 238, the same insular density, supported by fertility fisheries and trade, appears again in the West Indies, and also the contrast in density between large and small islands down to a certain limit of diminutiveness, the greater Antilles increase in density from Cuba through smaller Haiti and Jamaica down to a little Puerto Rico, which boasts 264 inhabitants to the square mile, in the smaller area of the Danish Indies and Guadeloupe about the same density 215 and 274 reappears, but it mounts to 470 in Martinique and to 1160 in Barbados. Climate advantages often encourage density of population on islands, by attracting to them visitors who make a local demand for the fruits of the soil and thereby swell the income of the islands. For instance, about the densely populated region of the Gulf of Naples, Procida has 14.000 inhabitants on its one and a half square miles of area, while fertile Ischia and Capri have 1400 to the square mile. Here a rich volcanic soil, peaks which attract rain by their altitude and visitors by their beauty, and a mild oceanic climate delightful in winter as in summer, all contribute to density of population. Sicily, Malta and Corfu also gain in the same way in winter. The Isle of Man owes some of its recent increase of population, now 238 to the square mile, to the fact that it has become the summer playground for the numerous factory workers of Lancashire in England. Sometimes climatic advantages are reinforced by a favorable focal point, which brings the profits of trade to supplement those of agriculture. This factor of distributing and exporting center has undoubtedly contributed to the prosperity and population of Reunion, Mihai, Mauritius and Zanzibar, as it did formerly to that of ancient Rhodes and modern St. Thomas at the angle of the Antilles, Barbados, by reason of its outpost location to the east of the Windward Isles is the first to catch incoming vessels from England, 
and is therefore a focus of steamship lines and a distributing point for the southern archipelago, so that we find here the greatest density of any island in the West Indies. The 9405 inhabitants of Charlotte Amalie on St. Thomas and the 15.000 of Willemstead on Curacao give these also a characteristic insular density. Same us. Blessed with good soil. An excellent position on Aegean maritime routes. And virtual autonomy. Supports a population of 300 to the square mile. Focal location alone can often achieve this density. Cirrus. One of the smallest and by nature the most barren of the cyclones. Though well-tilled is the great commercial and shipping center of the Aegean, and has in Hermupolis with its 17.700 population by far the largest town of the archipelago. This development has come since Greece achieved its independence. It reminds us of the distinction and doubtless also population that belonged to Delos in ancient days. Advantageous commercial location and density of population characterize Galoru and Singapore at the east and west extremities of the Malay archipelago. The Bahrain Islands, which England has acquired in the Persian Gulf, serve as an emporium of trade with Eastern Arabia and had a local wealth in their pearl fisheries. These facts account for the 68.000 inhabitants dwelling on their 240 square miles 600 square kilometers of sterile surface. The concentration of population in these favored spots of land within elastic boundaries, and the tendency of that population to increase under the stimulating interactive life make the restriction of area soon felt. For this reason, so many colonies which are started on inshore islets from motives of protection have to be transferred to the mainland to ensure a food supply. A settlement of Huguenots, made in 1535 on an island in the harbor of Rio Janeiro, found its base too small for cultivation, but feared the attack of the hostile Indians and Portuguese on the mainland. After three years of a struggling existence, it fell a prey to the Portuguese. Demont's short-lived colony on an island in the mouth of the St. Croix River in 1604 had an excellent site for defense, but was cut off by the drifting ice in winter from mainland supplies of wood, water and game, while no cultivation was possible in the sandy soil. Such sites suffice for mere trading posts, but are inadequate for the larger social group of a real colony. The early Greek colonists, with their predilection for insular locations, Recognize this limitation and offset it by the occupation of a strip of the nearest mainland, cultivated and defended by fortified posts. As an adjunct to the support of the islands, such a subsidiary coastal hem was called a peria. The ancient Greek colonies on the islands of Phasos and Sodothrace each possessed such a peria. The Aeolian inhabitants of Tenedos held a strip of the opposite trade coast north of Cape Lecton, while those of Lesbos appropriated the south coast of the trade. In the same way Tarantum and Syracuse, begun on inshore islands, soon overflowed onto the mainland. Sometimes the island site is abandoned altogether and the colony transferred to the mainland. The ancient Greek colony of Cyrene had an initial existence on the island of Plataea just off the Libyan coast, but, not flourishing there, was moved after an interval of several years to the African mainland, where, the sky was perforated, by the mountains of Barca. Demont's colony was removed from its island to Port Royal in Nova Scotia, where an island offers in its climate and soil conditions favorable to agriculture. Tillage begins early to assume an intensive, scientific character, to supply the increasing demand for food. The land, fixed in the amount of area, must be made elastic in its productivity by the application of intelligence and industry. Hence an island habitats, an early development of agriculture accompanied by a parallel skill in exploiting the food resources of the sea, is a prevailing feature. In Oceanica, 
Agriculture is everywhere indigenous, but shows greatest progress in islands like Tonga and Fiji, where climate and soil are neither lavish nor niggardly in their gifts, but yield a due return for the labor of tillage. The Society and Samoan Islands, where nature has been more prodigal, rank lower in agriculture. Though George Forster found in Tahiti a relatively high degree of cultivation, the small, rocky, coral in Palmotas rank lower still, but even here plantains, sugar cane, sweet potatoes, yams, taro and solanum are raised. The crowded atolls of the Gilbert group show painstaking tillage. Here we find cocoa palms with their roots fertilized with powdered pumice, and taro cultivated in trenches excavated for the purpose and located near the lagoons, so that the water may percolate through the coral sand to the thirsty roots. To a lonely Easter Isle nature has applied a relentless lash. At the time of Cook's visit it was woodless and boatless except for one rickety canoe, and therefore was almost excluded from the food supplies of the sea. Hence its destitute natives, by means of careful and often ingenious tillage, made its parched and rocky slopes support excellent plantations of bananas and sugar cane. The islands of Melanesia show generally fenced fields, terrace farming on mountain sides, irrigation canals, fertilized soils, well-trimmed shade trees and beautiful flower gardens, proof that the cultivation of the ground has advanced to the aesthetic stage, as it has in insular Japan. In Tonga the cocoa palm plantations are weeded and manured. Here, after a devastating war, the victorious chief devotes his attention to the cultivation of the land, which soon assumes a beautiful and flourishing appearance. In Tongatabu, which is described by the early visitors as one big garden, Cook found officials appointed to inspect all produce of the island and to enforce the cultivation of a certain quota of land by each householder. Here agriculture is a national concern. In the minute land fragments which constitute Micronesia, fishing is the chief source of subsistence. Agriculture, especially for the all-important taro, is limited to the larger islands like the Palouse. In the vast islands of western Melanesia, agriculture is on the whole less advanced. New Guinea where the chase yields support to many villages, has large sections still a wilderness, though some parts are cultivated like a garden, in the smaller Melanesian islands, such as New Hebrides, New Britain and the Solomon Group, we find extensive plantations laid out on irrigated terraces, in New Hebrides and the Banks Islands every single village has its flowers and aromatic herbs, but it is in Fiji that native island agriculture seems to culminate, here a race of dark, frizzly-haired savages, addicted to cannibalism, had in the art of tillage taken a spurt forward in civilization, till in this respect they stand abreast of the average European. The German asparagus bed is not cultivated more carefully than the yam plants of Fiji, these also are grown in mounds made of soil which has been previously pulverized by hand. The variety and excellence of their vegetable products are amazing, and find their reflection in an elaborate national cuisine, strangely at variance with the otherwise savage life. West of Melanesia, the Malay archipelago shows a high average of tillage. The inhabitants of Java, Madura, Bali, Lombok and Sumbawa are skilled agriculturists and employ an elaborate system of irrigation. But the natives of Timor, on the other hand, have made little progress. In the Philippines a rich and varied agriculture has been the chief source of wealth since the Spanish conquest early in the 16th century, proving a native aptitude which began to develop long before. The dense population of the Mediterranean islands is the concomitant of an advanced agriculture. The connection between elaborate tillage and scant insular area is indicated in the earliest history of classic Aegina. The inhabitants of this island were called Myrmidons, Strabo tells us. 
because by digging like ants they covered the rocks with earth to cultivate all the ground, and in order to economize the soil for this purpose, lived in excavations underground and abstained from the use of bricks. Today, terraced slopes, irrigation, handmade soils, hoe and spade tillage, rotation of crops, and a rich variety of field and garden products characterize the economic history of most Mediterranean islands, whether Elba, the Lipari, Ponza, Procida, Capri, Ischia, Pantelleria, Lampedusa, or the Aegean groups. The sterile rock of Malta has been converted for two-thirds of its area into fertile gardens, fields and orchards. The upper stratum of rock has been pulverized and enriched by manure, the surface has been terraced and walled to protect it against high winds. In consequence, the Maltese gardens are famous throughout the Mediterranean. In the Cyclades every patch of tillable ground is cultivated by the industrious inhabitants. Terraced slopes are green with orchards of various southern fruits, and between the trees are planted melons and vegetables, fellow land and in cultivated hillsides, as well as the limestone islands fit only for pastures, are used for flocks of sheep and goats. It is in Japan that agriculture has attained a national and aesthetic importance reached nowhere else. Of the 150.000 square miles constituting Japan proper, two-thirds are mountains, large tracts of lowlands are useless rock wastes, owing to the detritus carried down by inundating mountain torrents. Hence today arable land forms only 15.7% of the whole area. During the 250 years of exclusion when emigration and foreign trade were forbidden, a large and growing population had to be supplied from a small insular area, further restricted by reason of the configuration of the surface. Here the geographical effects of a small, naturally defined area worked out to their logical conclusion. Consequently agriculture progressed rapidly and gave the farmer a rank in the social scale such as he attained nowhere else. His methods of tillage are much the same as in overcrowded China, but his national importance and hence his ranking in society is much higher. In Japan today farming absorbs 60% of the population. The system of tillage, in many respects primitive, is yet very thorough, and by means of skillful manuring makes one plot of ground yield two or three crops per annum. Every inch of arable land is cultivated in grain, vegetables and fruits. Mountains and hills are terraced and tilled far up their slopes. Meadows are conspicuously absent, as are also fellow fields. Land is too valuable to lie idle. Labor is chiefly manual and is shared by the women and children. Matic and hoe are more common than the plow. Such elaborate cultivation and such pressure of population eventuate in small holdings. In Japan one hectare to one to acres is the average farm per family. While Japan's agriculture reflected the small area of an island environment, and under its influence reached a high development, England's from the beginning of the 15th century declined before the competition of English commerce which gained ascendancy owing to the easy accessibility of Great Britain to the markets of Europe. The ravages of the Black Death in the latter half of the 14th century produced a scarcity of agricultural laborers and hence a prohibitive increase of wages. To economize labor, the great proprietors resorted to sheep farming and the raising of wool, which, either in the raw state or manufactured into cloth, became the basis of English foreign trade. A distinct deterioration in agriculture followed this reversion to a pastoral basis of economic life, supplemented by a growing commerce which absorbed all the enterprise of the country. The steady contraction of the area under tillage threw out of employment the great mass of agricultural laborers, made them paupers and vagrants. Hence England entered the period of maritime discoveries with a redundant population. This furnished the raw material for her colonies. 
and made her territorial expansion assume a solid, permanent character, and known to the flimsy trading stations which mark the mere extension of a field of commerce, even when agriculture, fisheries and commerce have done their utmost, in the various stages of civilization, to increase the food supply, yet insular populations tend to outgrow the means of subsistence procurable from their narrow base, hence islanders, like peninsula peoples, are prone to emigrate and colonize, this tendency is encouraged by their mobility, born of their nautical skill and maritime location, Kinminos of Crete, according to Thucydides and Aristotle, colonized the Cyclades, Greece, from its redundant population, peopled various Aegean and Ionian islands, which in turn threw off spores of settlements to other isles and shores, Corsaira, which was colonized from the Peloponnesus, sent out a daughter colony to Epidamnos on the Illyrian coast, Andros, one of the Cyclades, as early as 654 BC colonized Acanthus and Stigiris in Chalcidice, Peros, settled first by Cretans and then by Ionians, at a very early date sent colonies to Thasos and to Perium on the Propontis, while Samos was a perennial fountain emitting streams of settlement to Thrace, Cilicia, Crete, Italy and Sicily, map page 251, this moving picture of Greek emigration is duplicated in the Malay archipelago, especially in the smaller eastern islands, almost every Malay tribe has traditions based upon migrations, the southern Philippines derive the considerable Mohammedan element of their populations from the Sabalaut, who came from Sumatra and the islands of the Strait of Malacca. A Malayan strain can be traced through Polynesia to far off Easter Isle. Sometimes the immigration is a voluntary exile from home for a short period and a definite purpose. The inhabitants of Bhutan, Binanku, and the neighboring islets, all of them located southeast of Celebes, have for the past 25 years come in great numbers to the larger islands of Ceyron, Boru, Amboina and Banda, where they have laid out and carefully cultivated plantations of maize, tobacco, bananas and cocoa palms, generally only the men come, work two years, save their profits and then return home, these ambitious dealers look like savages, are shy as wild things of the woods, and work naked to the waist, Polynesia, Melanesia and Micronesia, where every condition of land and sea tends to develop the migratory spirit, form a region of extensive colonization. Settlements of one race are scattered among the island groups of another, making the ethnic boundaries wide penumbras. In some smaller islands of Melanesia the Polynesian colonists have exterminated or expelled the original inhabitants, and are found there now with all their distinctive race characteristics, but in the larger islands, they have been merged in the resident population and their presence is only to be surmised from the existence of Polynesian customs, such as Father Wright in New Hebrides and Solomon Island side by side with the prevailing Melanesian Mother Wright. In small islands, like Tongatabu, Samoa and Fiji, emigration becomes habitual, a gradual spilling over of the redundant population and hence not a formidable inundation. In all this insular region of the Pacific, the impulse to emigration is so persistent, that the resulting inter-insular colonization obliterates sharp distinctions of race, it annuls the segregation of an island environment, and makes everywhere for amalgamation and unification, rather than differentiation, among highly civilized peoples, where better economic methods bring greater density of population and set at the same time a higher standard of living. Emigration from islands is especially marked. Japan has seen a formidable exodus since an end was put to its long period of compression. This has taken the form of widespread emigration to various foreign lands, notably the Hawaiian Islands and the United States, 
and also of internal colonization in its recently acquired territory in Formosa and Korea. The Maltese have spread from their congested island, and are found today as gardeners, sailors and traders along all the Mediterranean coasts. Majorca and the more barren Cyclops tell the same story. The men of Capri go in considerable numbers to South America, but generally return home again. The Icelanders often pull themselves out of the stagnation of their lonely and generous island to become thrifty citizens of Western Canada. Immigration from islands readily throws itself into the channel of navigation and foreign trade. The northern sporades, especially Skyathos and Skopelos, are the home of sailors who can be found over all the world. In this appetite for a nautical career, small inshore islets are often distinguished from the nearby mainland. Nearly all the masculine population of the Frisian Islands were seamen prior to 1807. In the 18th century a third of the Hamburg vessels were commanded by captains from the little island of Silt, and a third of the Greenland fleet of the Netherlands by natives of Foer. In England the exodus took the form of trading expeditions and the foundation of commercial colonies long before the food resources of the island had been even considerably developed. The accessible sea offered lines of least resistance, while the monopoly of the land by a privileged aristocracy and the fiercely defended corn laws made the limitations of a small area more oppressive. In Ireland, a landless peasantry in a grainless land, dulled by deprivation of opportunity, found in emigration an escape from insupportable evils. While emigration draws off the surplus population, there tend to develop in islands, as also in barren highlands where population early reaches the point of saturation, various devices to restrict natural increase. The evils of congestion are foreseen and guarded against. Abbe Raynal, writing of islanders in general, remarked as far back as 1795, it is among these people that we trace the origin of that multitude of singular institutions which retards the progress of population. Anthropophagy, the castration of males, the infibulation of females, late marriages, the consecration of virginity, the approbation of celibacy, the punishments exercised against girls who become mothers at too early an age. He enumerates as such checks. Malthus, in his essay on population, commenting on this statement, notes that the bounds to the number of inhabitants on islands, especially small ones, are so narrow and so obvious that no one can ignore them. The checks to population practiced on islands are either preventive or positive. The extreme measure to restrict marriage is found among the wretched Budumas who inhabit the small, marshy islands of Lake Chad. Tribal custom allows only the chiefs and headmen to have wives. A brass crescent inserted in the ear of a boy indicates the favored one among a chief's sons destined to carry on his race. For his brothers this is made physically impossible, they become big, dull timid creatures contributing by their fishing to the support of the thinly populated villages. The natives of the Shari River Delta on the southern shore of Lake Chad use Buduma as a term of contempt for a man. In islands, as in unproductive highlands where hunger stalks abroad, marriage readily takes the form of polyandry. On the Canary Islands, at the time of their conquest in 1402, polyandry existed in Lanzarote and possibly in Fuerteventura, often assigning one woman to three husbands but in the other islands of the group monogamy was strictly maintained. In oceanic polygamy, monogamy or polyandry prevails according to a man's means. The poverty of the islands, and the supply of women, a plurality of wives is always the privilege of the chiefs and the wealthy, but all three forms of marriage may be found on the same island. Scarcity of women gives rise to polyandry in Tahiti, and consigns one woman to four or five men. In old Hawaii, 
where there were four or five men to a one woman a kind of incipient polyandry arose by the addition of a countenanced paramour to the married couple's establishment. Robert Louis Stevenson found the same complacent arrangement a common one in the Marquesas, where the husband's deputy was designated by the term of Pikeo in the native vocabulary. Polyandry existed in Easter Isle, among whose stunted and destitute population the men far exceeded the women, and children were few, according to reports of the early visitors. Numerous of their instances make this connection between island habitat, deficiency of women, need of checking increase, and polyandrous marriages an obvious one. This disproportion of the sexes in Oceanica is due to the murder of female infants, to early childbearing, overwork, privation, licentiousness, and the violence of the men. The imminence of famine dictates certain positive checks to population, among which infanticide and abortion are widespread in Oceanica. In some parts of the New Hebrides and the Solomon groups it is so habitual, that in some families all children are killed, and substitutes purchased at will. In the well-tilled Fiji Islands, a pregnant girl is strangled and her seducer slain. The women make a practice of drinking medicated waters to produce sterility. Failing in this, the majority kill their children either before or after birth. In the island of Vanuelevo infanticide reaches from one-half to two-thirds of all children conceived. Here it is reduced to a system and gives employment to professional murderers of babies, who hover like vultures over every child bed, all destroyed after birth are females, and yet here, as on many other islands of Melanesia and Polynesia, such offspring as are spared are treated with foolish fondness and indulgence, the two facts are not incompatible, geographic conditions made infanticide a state measure in these crowded communities, on the small coral atolls, where the food supply was scantest. It was enforced by law, on Vetupu, in the Illis group, only two children were allowed to a couple, on Nukuflau, only one, any violation of this unique sumptuary law was punished by a fine, on the congested Gilbert at Hulse, a woman rarely had more than two children, never more than three, abortion, produced by a regular midwife, disposed of any subsequent offspring, affection for children was very strong here, and infanticide of the living was unknown. In Samoa, also, Turner found the practice restricted to the period before birth, but in Tahiti and elsewhere it was enforced by the tribal village authorities on the born and inborn. In pre-Christian Hawaii, two-thirds of all children, and especially girls, were killed by their parents either before or after birth. The result was a decay of the maternal instinct and the custom of farming out children to strangers. This contributed to the excess of infant mortality the degeneration of morals and the instability of the family. So in Japan the pressure of population led to infanticide and the sale of daughters to a life of ignominy, which took them out of the child-bearing class. Nor was either custom under the ban. The result is a deterioration of morals, an invasion of the family bond, and a decay of the finer sentiments therewith connected. Captain Cook in 1770